Welcome to the Top Business Leaders Podcast. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more and to download our show notes, go to topbusinessleaders.com. I'm delighted to welcome my friend Robin Ryan to our show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Robin, why don't you tell people about you? What do you do? I'm a career counselor and a best-selling author. Um, I have a private counseling practice in which I help people write resumes. I do interview coaching. I write LinkedIn profiles. So any aspect of looking for a job or any kind of career problems you might have, those are my kind of clients. Lots of professionals, lots of executives. Fantastic. Sounds like a big market. It sounds like you've been helping a lot of people. Um, But you decided to write a book. Why did you decide to write the book? Well, this was very early in my career, and I got some really good professional advice. And the uh, gentleman that I had a lot of respect for in the National Speakers Association said to me, Robin, if you want to be known as an expert, if you really want to go around the country and do speeches everywhere, you need to be seen as an expert. And the only way to distinguish you from all these other people is you need a book. Well, that was the best advice I ever got because a couple years later, with that book. I was going around the country. I was on TV shows. I was on radio shows. I was on uh, a lot of speaking engagements. And one of those speaking engagements led to a connection to a producer at the Oprah Winfrey Show. And so uh, about a year later, I appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show. I was on the whole hour and uh, really made my career. Um, I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for my book, 60 Seconds in Your Hire. Great. Um, How else has the book helped you? You know, I have eight books now, so I really believe that this is the way to get your name known. And one of the things that for me has, it's led to increased fees in my consulting business. It brings people to me. They read the book and then they call me up and they want my services. So there's no selling there. They, they're already pre-sold before they even call. Um, it's led to speaking engagements and the fees went up there dramatically. So um, if you're interested in making more money, if you're interested in having more clients, if you're interested in getting more speaking engagements, then Being the author of a book is the answer, but you can't just put anything out there. It's got to be really high quality. You're going to have to get all kinds of great reviews. Um, You know, the, the substance has to be there. And think about this. How many people are just going on Amazon and dumping a book that doesn't sell. Um, the stats say that you know less than three or four percent of all books are going to sell more than a thousand copies and that's not good. Uh, you want a lot of people to read your work but first you got to create it and it's a labor of love. Okay great. Let's talk about how you create your content. Uh, your books are really rich of information and interviews. How do you decide what to write about and how do you go about collecting your information? 
I use my speeches as my outline and then I fill in from there. I start thinking about the stories and what stories am I going to tell and how will they illustrate a certain point. For example, um, when I was talking about the 60 second sell, that's a really key concept in the book and it's the personal branding or the verbal business card for the individual when they're faced in that job interview talking to the employer. And I told five stories, and that makes a difference. You've got to have those stories where they're appropriate. You know, answering 120 questions, I mean, it's not all just what Robin thinks, but it's what clients tell me works. It's how I've advised them and how we know it worked when they were in the interview. So, you know, really having your case studies down, knowing what you're going to talk about. Uh, I change everybody's first name. I use only first names when I tell stories and I change everybody's names for privacy. Also too, then you don't have to worry about getting all of the permission slips. Um, when I did write Retirement Reinvention, we used first names. People gave us permission to use their first names. I did get permission slips from every single person. And in those slips, it says they will receive no income at all for their contribution because you just never know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You talked about the case study method. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, how that is structured and how you write those stories and how long are they? You know, the story is there to illustrate the point. So it's as long as it takes, but usually my stories are not longer than a page. They're usually like a half page story. These are things that travel on and on and on because I'm trying to make a point and then move to my next thought. Um, As you can imagine in a book like 60 Seconds and You're Hired, where you're talking about job interviewing, you're going to go, all right, this is my point how the five-point agenda works. Okay, here's some stories that explain it. Here's the 60-second sell stories that explain it. Why should I hire you a story that explains how to use it? Um, Salary negotiation examples where I'm telling people stories about what they did and how they made mistakes. Sometimes using stories to show how somebody made a mistake and what they should have done to correct it can be almost as important as saying, you know, here's how they did this and here's how it worked. That's a great point. I'm gonna be sure to point that out in the show notes. I think people think case studies only show what is wonderful and how they overcome overcome Mm -hmm. problems, but sometimes pointing out the problem uh, leads to insights as well. So very, very interesting. Um, Your books are, oh, actually, your books are professionally published. Tell us how you found uh, an agent and what that process was like. You know, 60 Seconds was first published without an agent, and it was with a small press, and the small press ran into financial difficulties, and they stopped paying the author's royalties, and um, so consequently, I hired a lawyer, got the rights back, and that's where I hired an agent, and I started asking around to people that I knew. I read in books to see, okay, here's another career book, and who are they thanking? Who's the expert, and who, you know, you always thank your agent if you have one, and so that's how I got the names of a few agents, and I interviewed them, and I went with a woman who was recommended by a colleague of mine. Um, I presented my work. I presented what I was going to do. The fact that 60 Seconds had already been a book was helpful. She uh, took it. There was an auction on that book, Uh, which means that more than one 
company was bidding for it. Penguin got the rights. Um, that was a, a huge heyday for me because Penguin has published my last four books. So um, two of which they came to me and said, Robin, what are you talking about these days? Don't you want to write another book? <laughs> and I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> so. Um, well, that, that's great. A lot of authors these days are struggling to find agents and publishers. And if they do find a publisher, they're finding that publishers want them to actually pay them to publish their book uh, and not get advances. Yeah, no, I got advances. I was lucky. <laughs> um, but the days, I will tell everybody this, the days of the big advances are gone. I mean, if you're Stephen King, yes, you get a big advance. But for the rest of us, those days where people used to say, oh, I got a hundred or 200 or 300,000, you know, to, for an advance on my book, those days are gone. You know, they're just not paying that kind of money anymore. And they want to know how the author is going to market it. Before they are willing to take you on, you've got to have followers on social media. You've got to have speeches that you're doing. You've got to have ways that you're going to be able to market the book and sell it because they don't really do it for you. You might think they do. They get in bookstores. They get it to libraries. They do some of that. But the, the actual selling of the book really is the author. And that's a mistake that I think a lot of people uh, don't understand in the beginning. Uh, that's why I learned how to write press releases. And if you can't, you know, you offer a service. Um, but having a press release that you can put out there, getting on radio shows, getting on podcasts, getting on talk shows, on TV um, and news segments, all of that helps because it all promotes the product, which is you and the book. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, I've had six books published by Wiley, and the last time I spoke with them, the editor basically spent 45 minutes saying, and what else are you going to do for us? Right. Yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah, I feel like if, if I'm doing all that for them, what are they going to do? And the answer is not much. I figured I might as well yeah. the book uh, instead, and it turned out to be a, a good decision. You know, people want the brand names, but sometimes you'll make more money doing it yourself, and sometimes just having working with the publisher is the best option because they can give you other advantages. I don't know if you've ever thought about self-publishing, but what advantages do you see? I did. I did. I actually self-published a manual mm -hmm. and it was a workbook and it was called the job search organizer. So it was a bad title. It should have been called job search, the hidden job market. I would have sold a hundred times more, but I sold it at my speeches and I sold it off my website for years. It was a very big seller for me, but it, the lady that helped put it together, the, the company, because I had audio in it too, and the company that I was doing that service with, they retired and closed. And when they closed, it became really hard to find another company that would do small runs and would put this book together with the audio. They all wanted to do the audio, but nobody wanted to do the workbook, you know, which was get the binders and put all the pages in and put in the tabs and so on and so forth. And so eventually we retired it and I took the information out, and put them in books. Great. What has, what have the publishers done for you that you, uh, you know, we beat on publishers all the time, but what are the good aspects of having a published book? Okay. Um, they've gotten all my books in the libraries and that that's really important for my kind of work. So not only do they get a single copy, but they get multiple copies in the libraries because as more people demand to read the book, the more copies they buy. 
That's that's one of the big things. And that means college libraries and public libraries across the country. So that's one piece. The second thing, too, is when I appeared on Dr. Phil, Penguin had my book everywhere. I saw it in Walmart. I saw it in Target. I saw it, you know, every place. The only place that it wasn't was Costco, <laughs> but I saw it every place else. And just so you know, Costco says you got to sell 20,000 books a week or they won't, they won't take the title. And they've shrunk down the number of books in their section. So unless it's a novel, it's pretty much not going to be there or you're Michelle Obama and then it's going to be there, you know? Great. You mentioned earlier that uh, you need to get a lot of reviews for your books. Uh, I'm proud to say I have 46 reviews for my book, uh, Write Your Book in a Flash, and I've had to <laughs> really beat the pavement to yeah. get those reviews, uh, and that's in a year. How? What advice would you have to get reviews? How have you gotten reviews? Well, I, I know that the Amazon particularly really is careful about people that uh, bribe people for reviews. So you've got to be very careful about that. In fact, um, a friend that I know, she used to try to trade reviews. You know, she'd go to one author and say, write a review for me and I'll write a review for you. And if you do a couple of those, you probably can get by with it. But what she did, it was a big mistake, was she started doing it for everybody and, you know, was trying to trade a lot of reviews and they took all her husband's reviews down. And so, you know, you got to be careful because Amazon's really strict. Um, what I have done is I write an excellent book. And I'll tell you, that motivates people. But sometimes in my seminars and stuff, I'll say to people, you know, if you've enjoyed this program and thank you if they've gotten a copy of 60 Seconds, you know, if you have time to go on to Amazon and write a review, I uh, really appreciate that. So, Client sometimes will offer to write a review, um, and I always take them up on it and say, "Oh yeah, write a review on Amazon. That's really you know helpful to me." But um, I don't I don't worry about it. The other thing too, if you're going to ask somebody for a review, here's my tip: write out what you'd like them to talk about. Give them a sample or two to choose from, so that they know specifically what you want them to say, because they're more likely to say yes and do it if you've kind of pre-wrote uh, it for them, and all they gotta do is make a couple quick edits and then put it up. Um, don't ask somebody to write a review and then just walk away. So if you're doing this with another colleague or another professional or a, another author that's in your field, particularly authors in your field, those hold a lot of weight. If people in your field are coming in and saying, wow, this is a great book. And so that's the kind of thing you want to do. And um, always, always, always send a thank you if you can. The ones on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, because you don't know who they are, you can't. But uh, if it's a colleague, definitely send them a thank you. Great. Earlier, you mentioned that publishers want you to have a large platform. You mentioned followers. Absolutely. The, the, the word in the industry uh, is platform for those of you who are listening online. And uh, the platform, again, is how, how, where you're speaking and uh, how many followers you have and such like that. What kind of numbers do you think publishers are looking for today as a benchmark to say, okay, this person is legit or this person is too small and not going to deal with that? They want big numbers. They are, they, are looking, they are looking for big numbers. So if you say, I got 500 followers on Facebook, they're going to be like, say what? <laughs> um, so I would suggest you do this. 
pick the platform that you want to get known on. If you want to be known on Facebook and you're going to post a lot and you're going to post some personal stuff and you're going to post professional stuff and stories and grow it and respond to people and answer them. Because here's what happens. If you're a professional and you have a whole bunch of friends on Facebook, that's an interactive website. And they're expecting you to write back. If you, they make a comment, you know, and they comment on your stuff, but they never ever see you comment on anything that they put up. I will tell you this, they drop you in a, you know, New York minute. So um, that's, I think that happens a lot. We try to grow it fast and not realize that Facebook wants us to be interactive. Twitter's really news. You have to use Twitter as just basically spreading news. So it's not so much stuff about you, but you better have news tips. You better have stories that you're putting out there. You can share other things. That's a great idea. Just share. But um, LinkedIn, for many of us, is where we're getting a lot of followers. People are watching us. They're following our stories. They're looking to see what we're doing. Um, I try to post on LinkedIn the most. It's something that takes time. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> um, I get busy and I don't do it myself. So, you know, I, but I will tell you that the people who do do it and who are on there, you know, two, three times a week find that it really works. That's my commitment for the rest of the year is to try to post two to three times a week on LinkedIn. Great advice. You know, uh, I, I've been very bad about doing that and I'm starting to get into a better routine now and I'll share that with you. I found a social media posting program that's very easy to use. I'm sure there are hundreds out there. This one happened to just fit my modality and it was very inexpensive uh, and it worked. So I kept on using it. And what I do is it, it's a, a, a couple step process. I'll take all the tweets I want and put them into a spreadsheet and I'll number them. And so I would have say 45 reviews for my book and I might have 90 pieces of uh, content that I have on YouTube and I'll put them in a spreadsheet and I'll just start posting them to social media through this calendaring program. It's called Promo Republic, but I like it, but there are probably a million others that do the same thing. And basically I can schedule things in advance. So mm -hmm. one day when my biorhythms say, okay, just sit down and plow through this, because let's face it, there are days when you don't feel like doing it and to post one or two things kind of consistently. Yeah. It's frankly a lot harder than sitting down for 30 minutes and just blasting these out and saying, run this post tomorrow at 9 a.m. every 45 days thereafter at the same time on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. You can't repost to Twitter. They won't allow that. You can only do it once. Uh, and Pinterest and Instagram. And that way I have it set up automatically. It's a pain in the butt the first time. But once you do it, then it's on autopilot. And we'll see how that works. So at least I have that base covered. <laughs> yeah, I, I choose to do very interactive news type things. So I look for articles in the news. And for example, uh, Deutsche Bank laid off 18,000 people. And so I put up that article. Um, there was articles last week I put up. There was articles this week. Obviously, it happened on Sunday. So uh, obviously, not all those people are off at the same time. But if you're working there, a lot of people got their walking papers. And 
uh, I'd be nervous if I was employed there, and that's what I write about. So I look for news items, and I put news items up. I mean, everybody does it different. I think the most important thing is to decide how will you distinguish yourself. Um, one thing that I have, and some of your uh, listeners might have too, is the fact that I have I write a column for Forbes. So my column goes up every Tuesday morning. And, you know, if you're writing a blog, you can put your blog posts up when you're, you know, every, every week or, but pick a specific day. And then when you're going to post something else, do it on a different day. Because what we know is that on LinkedIn in particular, people go there about twice a month on average. So they're not there every day. They're not looking every day. And they're not going to see your post unless it's something that is the day that they were looking. So it's good advice to know you need to do things on different days. And like I said, Twitter has really become news oriented, where you can tell people uh, uh, some a tip and then have a story about yourself that talks about your service. Uh, people promote, obviously, you know, I invite you to an event. I don't know how successful that is, but people do it anyway. So, um, you know, the social media, pick one and really master it. Great idea. You know, I, I didn't know about that uh, statistic about people going to LinkedIn only twice a month. And I think that lends more validity to the idea of doing the, uh, the, 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 the repeating messages. That's right. On different days. Won't seem like spam. Won't people say, I saw this yesterday or last week? And chances are, no, they didn't. And yeah. on Facebook, uh, I think the recent statistics show that 40% uh, of your information never reaches your followers because Facebook wants you to buy ads to reach your followers. I, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm not spending that much time on it. Uh, to me, it's like, you know, I, I can't afford to spend the kind of money that they want on ads to reach people. <laughs> In other words, if you, I always like the ones that say, spend $10 and boost this thing and you'll reach a thousand more people. And if you spend it, you find out you didn't reach a thousand more people. <laughs> so um, we, we buy ads on Facebook, I will say that, um, but we really carefully screen what we're doing and we screen who we're looking for so that they go to the right people. Um, I can't tell you that it's been real successful because I don't know. You know. It's hard to know if somebody bought your book or your service off of that ad. I do not do it for books because of the cost, but I do it when I'm teaching a workshop. Like I have a resume writing workshop coming up and that's, uh, you know, there's a cost associated with that. So uh, people can go to robinryan.com and look and see what kind of webinars I've got going on. And then if they're interested, they can sign up for those. So, so I do things like that. I, I tweet a story or I'll tweet uh, or I'll go and I'll post something on Facebook and LinkedIn and then I'll connect my ad for, you know, the resume writing program or if I'm doing an interview program, whatever it might be. Right. To make your money back on a book from a Facebook ad is really difficult because there's not a lot of profit in a book, but on a seminar or consulting, that's where the money is. And I always tell yeah. my coaching clients that the book is the big business card that, uh, that will get you that's the right. money from speeches and consulting and such. Robin, as we, as we wind up the interview, um, I know you've written six books or so. What have you learned about the writing process from the first book to the six books. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? Oh, wow, it's eight books. Eight books. <laughs> and, um, and I will tell you this, I am very dedicated. 
Yeah, I'm very dedicated. When I am writing a book, I literally get up in the morning and start around nine and I go till about four. And I am committed to that three, four days a week. And then I will push all my consulting into one day a week if I possibly can, or the consulting I will do at the end of the day and do the writing in big blocks. I find that people who are trying to write, you know, an hour here and an hour there and a half hour here and a half hour there, do not have the creative thought process. Books kind of write themselves. They take on a life of their own. As you're writing and you get in the writing mode, you get ideas of new ways to tell something or new ways to add some more information. Um, while you're researching one thing, you come up with, oh, that really needs to be in the book. I really need to, you know, talk about that. So the other tip I'll tell you too is that um, I buy everything in my genre. So there's no books out there that are in my genre that I don't have. And when I'm sitting down to write a book, for example, if I was going to write a book on consulting, I would go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and I would pull all the big consulting books that are out there that have done well and I read them. I want to know what everybody else is saying because that helps me shape what do I say that's different and that makes sure that I illustrate my points because you know your book needs to have an original message and it needs to point out some new things and that's how I do it. But uh, it's a good six-month process of, of just writing. And six months is how many words and how many pages? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably 250 to 300 pages. Um, you know, that's pretty much what the publishers, if you're going the way I do it, that's the way publishers want it. Um, so it's pretty extensive. I mean, you know, and you're under a timeline. You know, they usually give you nine months to write it, and then you realize it's going to take another nine months to 12 months before that book becomes a book. It comes back to you two or three times in editing forms. Uh, they have copy editors. So if you're real attached to your words and you're going to, you know, be disturbed about the fact that they're going to rip it to shreds and <laughs> rewrite parts of it, <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Process. Well, thank you, Robin. You are a joy to talk to and learn from. I'm sure everyone has learned a lot. Thanks for listening to Top Business Leaders, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.